Well, good morning and welcome into the Wealth Guardians radio show. My name's Doug Ray. I'm your host and with me is uh, Mr. Bryce Payne. Producer Bryce Payne, thank you very much. How are you doing, Doug? <laughs> doing good, buddy. Good. How are you? I'm doing well. You know, I got to say I'm in a good mood. I am so glad to see that Tom Brady finally got the break he deserves. <laughs> you know, that guy has been plugging away for so long. I'm, uh, I'm so happy to see things have finally gone in his direction. I tell you. <laughs> I just don't even know what to say about uh, that. Yeah, it's funny, though. You know, the one thing that still, they did this on Saturday Night Live, the one thing that still works in this country and everybody hates it. Tom Brady. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we don't want that to work anymore. But anyway, Doug, um, we're going to give a shout out like we do to our men and women in uniform out there. You as well. Thank you for serving in the Navy for so many years. And folks, to those of you or those of you in your family who uh, serve out there, thank you. Plain and Amen. simple. Amen. Just thank plain you. and simple. Thank you for your service. We appreciate it. And you are in our thoughts. Uh, what is also in our thoughts, Doug, is you had a little bit of a 2021 resolution that you were going to try to accomplish throughout the uh, year, yeah, and yeah, I just yeah, want to yeah. check in yeah. with you now that we're uh, a month and a half into things. How is that going with the rowing? Yeah, you know, my uh, my crazy idea was to try to do a million meters uh, this year, and uh, that equates to about 20,000 meters a week. Okay. Uh, roughly, and uh, yeah, I'm on track. Are you? I am on track. Very good. You had to do a little bit of a catch-up there after the first few weeks, yeah, right? Yeah, 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 I but, did. But and you got caught up. I got caught up, and then uh, this is a short month, so I've got to kind of cram. Oh. <laughs> of, in the next three or four days, i got to cram some meters in. Okay. All right. Well, power to you. You're, look, you're looking <laughs> trim and fit uh, already, I can tell. So, Doug, we are going to talk about here this week and today in the first segment Everyone knows or most people know about normal investments, your stocks, your bonds, what makes up a typical portfolio by way of mutual funds, ETF, and some some slight branch offs of those. But there is a whole world of alternative investments out there. And I'm not just talking real estate or precious metals. Those are included, but there's a lot of different ones out there. I've got a collection of baseball cards that I've been keeping in my basement in a pristine container for years. I guess you could consider that an alternative investment, but uh, mm -hmm. you're going to go into detail here on um, some real uh, alternative investments. You've done your share of trading over the years uh, on the market yourself and for your clients. And so you know more about this than I do. But so I'm going to go through a list of some of these. We'll start off easy and then move into deeper ones. And you just kind of fill us in on a little bit of the uh, details of what these uh, alternative investments could be, how they might work for you, what the risks are, those kind of things. Does that sound fair? Sounds good to me. Okay, let's do this. We'll start off easy. Gold, precious metals. You know, we're often asked by our clients, should they buy, you know, gold and silver? Very, very common question. Yeah. And, you know, I tell them, well, you know, certainly because I do. I have, I mean, my grandfather started me when I was a kid. He'd give me a silver dollar every birthday. And it just kind of, you know, it took. And, and in my situation, you know, I buy um, the old uh, collector coins, uh, you know, and I tell folks, if you don't want to get into understanding grading and mintage and, and all of that, then if you want to own some precious metals, just go out and buy the American Eagle gold or silver coins. Okay. It's a simple thing to do. It's 
priced a little above the uh, bullion market price, but uh, you, that way you don't have to worry about, you know, is this coin uncirculated and what is the mintage and all that other stuff. Going beyond the price, beyond just the value of the metal, but it's it's rarity and that kind of thing. Right. Okay, very good. Um, before we go any further, uh, I want to say that or I'll let you, I'll let you, I'll ask you the question. Alternative investments do have risks, and we're not making recommendations in this mm-hmm. show. Yeah. We are just talking about this. Um, but what would you say is a general rule you should not weight your portfolio more than what percentage in any one particular investment or investment type? Well, you know, the old standard is 10%, um, and you're right. I mean, I, in 32 years of this business, I have seen some horror stories with alternative investments. You know, there was years ago the uh, scandals of private placements, and those ended up being Ponzi schemes, and, and there's just all kinds of things. You hear on the radio advertised quite a bit, some of these alternative investments. Uh, mm-hmm. one, one going around right now is about uh, a, a real estate investment, you know, where you can uh, make 10% a year and, and, and all that. I'd be very, very careful uh, of those kinds of investments, especially if you're retired. Well, there's an ad on on the Sirius Radio that says you're not making twenty percent a year, then you need to be contacting us. I've never contacted them, but that always strikes me as kind of, yeah. Of course, nobody's making twenty percent a year. What? And if I should be, yeah. So there are. You're right. You have to be cautious out there. And I like your answer. No more than ten percent in any given alternative investment or any investment for that matter. Let's move on to the next one. This has uh, gotten a lot of steam in the last couple of years. Cryptocurrencies. Uh-huh. You know, <laughs> yeah, this week, I mean, look, look at Bitcoin, what it's done. You know, uh, Musk announced that uh, Tesla just bought a, what, a billion and a half dollars of Bitcoin. I remember two years ago, Bitcoin was down around $3,000. And man, I was going to buy it. So I started researching it, and I couldn't figure out how to buy it. You have to have this purse and all this other thing. And then something came along, and I got distracted, and, <laughs> and uh, next thing I knew, Bitcoin was at $8,000. Wow. And now, what is it, $46,000? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I yeah, I don't know about Bitcoin and all these cryptocurrencies. It's just, it, I'm, I guess I'm just old-fashioned. And Well, you and Warren Buffett. Warren Buffett, from my understanding, wasn't uh, big into them, at least at first, anyway, either. You know, it's like gold and silver. If I want to buy a coin, I want to be able to hold it in my hand. Not a crypto coin. <laughs> right. <laughs> Exactly. You can't you can't break that out at a party and show somebody. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'll lose my million dollars on on not owning Bitcoin, but uh, that's just my it's just me. Fair enough. Okay. Next one is a very common one. I mentioned it at the top here, but it is probably the one that people, if they have invested in this, they are the most addicted to, and it is hard for them to break away from it. If if anything makes up an overweighted part of somebody's portfolio, it is this next one. Real estate. Yeah, you know, a lot of people own real estate. Uh, you know, some people do it do it very very well. Uh, I've got we've got clients down in uh, in our Charlotte office that you know he retired years ago from the school system. He was a superintendent, and uh, they've owned rental properties, uh, and that's uh, been very successful for them. Uh, my venture into long-term rental properties years ago was uh, not as as fun. I mean. You know, I could tell you don't you, do it anymore. I you you tell, had your fill of it. I could tell you landlord stories all day long. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's a great alternative. And um, they, they won't give it up. People are going to need to rent properties. There's no question yeah. about that. There's some people that just can't 
you know, put enough money together to buy a property or, or be able to have a credit score uh, high enough to buy a property. So they're going to be lifetime tenants. Right. And we can't, we don't really make, well, I guess we do in some ways. Property, you don't make more of. There's only so much property out there on this planet. And when it's, when it's yeah. all taken up, it's taken up. Now, I guess you can build more skyscrapers and have real estate that way. But, okay, well, that's real estate. And that is one that we see a lot of people venture into because they, it's easy to understand. Um, let's talk about commodities, oils, grains, coffees. Yeah. yeah something else you can hold. But. Sure. You know, you can trade these uh, if you're good at uh, being a trader. Uh, like anything else, uh, but you can also go out, and I've seen people buy uh, limited partnerships and like mm-hmm. oil wells and things like that. Yes. Those are definitely alternatives. And again, any of these alternative type investments, you got to be concerned about the liquidity. You know, uh, it's not easy to get rid of all of these. Some of them, definitely. Some of these limited partnerships are extremely illiquid. In fact, we're dealing with. Uh, clients now that have had this, some of these things for years and years and years and you know we didn't put them in it but some other broker did and they can't get out of these things yeah so those are not i would say for again for for your typical retiree portfolio well and speaking of the liquidity we've had no shortage of clients who are in private uh, reits real estate investment trusts and those only they only have the option to sell those once a year, once every couple mm. of years, and oftentimes they're nowhere near the price of what they would expect them to be that, that they can get for them. So, yeah, liquidity is a key thing. If you're going to invest in something, some of these alternatives, it's going to be for a long time, possibly in some of them. All right, Doug, I think we've got room for one more here before we're going to do the trivia question and cut to break. What are SPACs? SPACs. Okay, SPACs. Special purpose acquisition yeah. companies. It's basically a company that's built to buy other companies. Okay. And Mitt Romney's thing? Something like that. Okay. Absolutely. Are they good alternative investments? Uh, you know, like anything else. It depends. Could, it could be hit or miss. It could be hit or miss. A lot of these things require a lot of capital to get into. Right. So, right. again, not for your typical retiree's portfolio. Okay. All right. Very good. Well, uh, we've got a trivia question here. We're going to go to break here in a second. And uh, I, I like this one. And uh, this is this is not a trick question. No, I bet. You're going to stump me. No, again. it's not a trick question. Oh, yeah, you're not going to get this. But <laughs> it's not a trick question. But I want you to listen carefully to the way I'm wording it, because I'm careful about this. On February 14th, 1876, an American electrical engineer by the name of Alicia Gray of Western Electric Manufacturing Company applied for a patent for an invention of his that in some form or another now, we all use on a daily basis. Hmm. All of us. What was his invention that is now a major part of all of our daily lives? And keep in mind, the year was 1876, and that he was an electrical engineer. I'm going to give you one more little clue before we go to break. Okay. Ahoy hoy. A what? Ahoy hoy. Ahoy hoy. Folks, we'll be right back after the break and we'll get you that answer. <laughs> and welcome back to the Wealth Guardians Radio Show, folks. Thank you for sticking around for the break for us. You know, if you're out there and you are five to seven years from retirement, I want you can, to consider giving us a call and letting us help you make sure that you have a way of retiring the job yet keeping the paycheck. We are financial planners. We are good at what we do. We are fiduciaries, and we want to help you make sure that you have got a sound financial plan to carry you to retirement and through retirement. And all you have to do is pick up the phone, 336 336- 
336-391-3409 and give us a call and set up an appointment with us to meet with you, sit down with you. We can do it virtually. We can do it by phone. We can do it here in the office, whatever uh, meets your needs and see what uh, services we might be able to provide you. Having said that, I also want to jump in now and do what we're going to be doing, uh, the website feature of the week. We have a website, thewealthguardians.com. And uh, this week, I want to bring your attention to a spot on our website. It's on the homepage. You scroll down a little bit. It's toward the bottom of our homepage. And it's a link that says, Get My Free Analysis. All you have to do is click on that, enter some information. It's a micro version of the massive uh, retirement software program that we use to help you plan for retirement. And it can start plugging, you plug in some numbers and it starts giving you some information to show you how this program works and give you a sense of if you are on track for retirement or not. It is a great feature. It's, it's dare I say, fun to use actually, and it's not complicated at all. So our website, thewealthguardians.com, it's on our homepage toward the bottom, and it is the Get My Free Analysis link. And I want to give a, a plug to our marketing people. I mean, they're constantly updating that website. and It's hard for me to keep up with it yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I mean, my, my wife, Sherry, she she's our marketing uh, VP, but we've also got Christy Barnes, who does a lot of it, and then Brooks Brown over in Nashville uh, has been kind of the lead on it. But uh, folks, do try it out. I mean, go to the, go to the website. Uh, www.thewealthguardians.com and there's a lot of neat stuff on there. Yep, and we're going to start featuring one one little aspect of that a week. So that's our uh, website feature of the week there. Your get my free analysis link on our homepage. Okay, so uh, getting back to our trivia question before we dive into things here. On February 14th, 1876, American electrical engineer Alicia Gray of Western Electric Manufacturing Company applied for a patent for an invention of his that in some form or another we all use on a daily basis today, every single one of us. What was his invention that is now a major part of basically the world? And keep in mind the year was 1876 and that he was an electrical engineer and I gave you a clue, ahoy hoy. You didn't know even though you're... I don't even know what a hoy hoy is. That's right. How can it be a clue then? Well, it is to some people out there. And if you're a Simpsons fan, it might be a clue. Ah, no wonder I'm not. Well, it's a clue to other people too. But uh, Alicia Gray invented the telautograph, a.k.a. the telephone. Oh. And he applied for the patent on the same day as Alexander Graham Bell applied for his patent. Oh, interesting. And who did they award the patent to? Bell. Yeah, not Alicia Gray. Not that man that we've never heard of before. <laughs> that is right. Uh, well, now the patent uh, is Alicia Gray. Hence, history has never remembered his name. And why was a hoy hoy a clue? Because when the phone was first invented and that phone rang and you picked it up, as counterintuitive as, as it seems to us today, you didn't know what to say. When, when you picked up the phone... Hello was not, is something that we've adopted to. So Alexander Graham Bell thought we should say ahoy hoy. So the first couple of years that the phone existed, people would pick up the phone and say ahoy hoy until people figured out hello makes better sense in the form of a communication, like you're greeting somebody. So we had, we moved from ahoy hoy to hello, but for the first while, ahoy hoy was what you said when you picked up a phone. And my best friend in childhood, his father, I, you know, I'd call him up all the time, say, hey, do you want to go play ball or whatnot? His dad would answer the phone, and he would answer, ahoy hoy. Bryce, that's a doggone good uh, trivia question. Folks, 
that'll win you a bar bet somewhere. <laughs> yes, it would. <laughs> Poor Alicia Gray. Poor Alicia Gray. So it got in there five minutes too late, apparently. Well, Doug, this uh, what we're going to do with the second half here is there was something that made the news pretty bigly, mm, these, bigly. these last couple of weeks. And um, I know a little bit about it. You know far more about it. But I think that the average Joe out there has been kind of, uh, unless they really delved into the details of it, were left a little bit in the dark, as intriguing of a story as it was. And uh, I wanted to bring you in and explain it to the masses who might not have a background in investing and just kind of explain it in layman's terms what happened here, what was the good, what was the bad. And this is the David and Goliath story featured around GameStop. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that that was such a uh, interesting thing that developed over a week or so. In fact, we were talking about my rowing earlier. When I row, I typically am watching one of the business channels. And for a good two weeks, that's all they, and they still are talking about the, the GameStop thing. All right, so what happened is folks out there that make money on the downside of a stock are called shorts. Many hedge funds have a lot of short positions. So they're betting that the stock price will go, go down, down and mm -hmm. they'll make money if that stock price goes down. Exactly. So okay. GameStop is a company that has a business model much like Blockbuster did. Struggling. And we know what happened to Blockbuster. So these hedge funds got together and they said, okay, let's short this stock whose business model is obsolete. So to short a stock, what you have to do, first off, you have to have a margin account to do it, which means you have credit. And then you sell the stock without owning it. So in other words, a brokerage firm is going to lend you the stock in your margin account. So you sell it. So let me give you an example. Let's say game stock's at 100 bucks. I don't know what it is now, but let's okay. just use this as an example. Good round numbers. And you think it's going to go to zero. So you might go and say, okay, I'm going to sell X number of shares of game stock at $100. So immediately you have cash going into your account. And also on the other side, you have a negative position for, let's say you shorted 100 shares. So your bet is that now the stock will go from 100 to 80 to 50. And at some point, you're going to have to say, okay, that's enough money. That's enough profit. I'm going to come back and buy that stock back that's covering your short. Okay. So let's say it's at 50. You buy 100 shares of game stock. And now your short position's covered, but you've made the $50 profit. Okay. Okay. So the hedge fund shorted the heck out of this thing. And because they could do it with credit, they actually shorted more stock than was actually, it's called the float, that's actually available. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. So, so somebody was going to lose on that. So what really is interesting about this story is, to me, it's intriguing yes. how a bunch of folks, younger folks. In between their gaming. Millennials. Somehow figured this out and then coordinated an effort to basically pull off the mother of all short squeezes. Now, a short squeeze is simply when a stock has been overshorted like GameStop, 
everybody knows that the people who shorted the stock are eventually going to have to cover it, meaning mm-hmm. buy it back. Mm-hmm. So these folks figured this out, and they started buying the stock, and they coordinated over different uh, internet uh, uh, social Me- social media, media. programs. Yeah. yeah. And they all got together. They started buying GameStop like crazy. GameStop, because it was going up, the people, that the hedge funds that were short the stock started to lose money. So they had to buy the stock. This is like throwing gas on a fire, okay? The price of GameStop went to the moon. I mean, I remember watching it at $500. I was dying to buy puts on it at five hundred dollars. Yes, I, yes. I almost did, but the puts were crazy. The, the 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 spread between the bid and the ask on these puts was just you could drive a Mack truck through them. So, so basically, I, I you weren't the only one that had that idea. A lot oh of yeah, had that idea. It, it, it was nuts. But uh, at any rate, that was what uh, this whole thing about GameStop was, and and. Uh, you know, I think the, the shorts had the right idea. I think it is an obsolete business model, but it was intriguing how all these folks, the, the, the small guy, if you will, figured out a way to coordinate the efforts to, to cause a short squeeze. And let me tell you, the hedge funds didn't like it at all. I mean, they squealed like stuck pigs. Now, they, do they have any ground to complain as far as somebody did something against the rules or uh, in tour, uh, yeah, um, just basically not ethical? I don't think they do. And in fact, I, I was I was rooting on the, uh, the little guy, the little guy. Absolutely. Because hedge funds have been notorious for running companies uh, into the dirt. They tried to do that with Tesla. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They had a huge short position on Tesla back back when my son worked for him. And, and the Model 3, they were trying to ramp that up. And, okay. and they were. I mean, Garrett told me they were days away from being, you know, cash flow negative. Is that right? Then they finally got the Model 3 out and got sales going, and, and now you know the rest of the story. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, hedge funds can be notorious. Okay. So if the price went up, some of those people who were out there in between their games and were buying for the first time some GameStop stock uh, to participate in this online maneuver – who who ended up holding the bag on this in the end, a, a lot of it? I mean, is it over? It's not over yet. GameStop's still trading. I think uh, yesterday morning when I was rowing, uh, I think it was hovering around 50 bucks a share. So it's no longer at the 400. But it was it down at four. Okay. That's when the, the little guy started buying the thing. Okay, it was at four, but it yeah. got up to 400. Four, 450, 500, yeah. So now it's back down to 50. Is there still... Who who ended up? Uh, did any little guys take a hit on this? Probably, but I, you know, you they're just the ones know. who got in too late, right? Okay, yeah, all right. Well, that's a, that's a fun story. Is there is there any what's what's the lesson to be learned from that? Yeah, I don't know that there's a lesson to be learned from that. Uh, I'll, I'll tell you this: I, I shorted a stock once in my whole career, and I'll never do it again. What happened? Well, uh, I was at Merrill Lynch, and I always had this uh, rule that I'd never do anything. For a client, I wouldn't do for myself. So this was back in the days when the banks were going. This was in the late 80s, early 90s, when the S&L industry was going under. I found the worst bank Merrill Lynch had in their analyst uh, research department. It was out in California. So it was 16 bucks a share. Thought it was going to zero. So I shorted 100 shares. Now, to short, you have to wait till the stock actually has an uptick. Okay. Before you can sell it. Okay. Well, I'll bet you any money 
that I probably shorted that stock at the lowest point it ever had. <laughs> no, so it was about $16. I shorted it at 16 and a quarter on the uptick, and then it just took off. So we, you are a better financial planner than you are a short stock uh, seller. You know, I'll, I'll trade options all day long, but I'm not shorting a stock anymore. All right, I'm very done. good. <laughs> well, folks, we thank you for tuning in this week. Uh, our phone number, 336-391-3409. Again, 336-391-3409. If you would like some financial planning help and it sounds to you like we know what we're talking about when it comes to this kind of thing, please reach out to us, set an appointment. We'd be happy to meet with you. We hope you have a great rest of your weekend. Take care, and we'll see you here next week.